We're going to begin here on the top of Mem Alpha, Mem Alpha, the two dots. Kamar says, V'amar Rabbi Zera, Ana chazita l'Rabbi Obahu, Sheniach yadav k'neged panav shomato. Rabbi Zera says that, I cited Rabbi Obahu, that when he used to go down to bait, he used to place his hands over his private parts, for tzniyut. And when he placed his hands over his private parts, inaga ilonaga, did he touch his aver or did he not touch his aver? Mar says, pshito dolonaga. It's very straightforward that he didn't touch it. Titania, we have a brayta that says, Rabbi any person is going to urinate and in the process of urinating holds on to their aver, as if he brings a mabul to the world. As Rashi points out, by the Torah mabul, it says, and the term hashchata is used in the context of the framework of shichvat zerlevatala. So touching one's aver causes the spilling of sperm unnecessarily. And therefore, someone who is urinating and touches their aver, that is considered to be inappropriate. And the same would be true here. When he's covering over his private parts, we would assume that he did not touch his aver because that would be inappropriate behavior. Amar that's not necessarily true. Asua kivoleshet. It's like an armed force that comes into the city. When the troops enter in the city, if it's a time of peace and the troops are not under pressure, any barrel of wine that is open, we consider it to be asur. We assume that they did niso chayayin with it, and therefore it's asur. On the other hand, the closed barrels are mutarot, because you can't do niso chayayin with a closed barrel. If they enter in the city when they're under pressure, under duress, because... The battle was still taking place. Elu ve'elu mutarot. Both of them are considered to be mutarim. Whether the barrels are open or whether the barrels are closed, everything is considered to be mutar. Because they're not in a frame of mind where they're going to do nisa chayayin. They don't have time for that. They're not focused on that. Alma, the conclusion from that is, Since they are fearful, since they're under duress, they won't do nisa chayayin. So hachanami, Same thing over here. Since he is fearful, Therefore, he will not have any hirhurim, will not have any inappropriate thoughts when he touches his nefer. What is the fear over here? I understand the fear when the troops are entering into the city and they're still being chased or the battle is still taking place. I understand the fear that is associated with that. But what's the fear here when he's going to bathe? It says, the fear of the river. When he's going down to bathe in the river, he has to keep his balance. He has to manage the flow of the river. And therefore, he is fearful. Since he's fearful, he won't have time or the focus to have hirhurim, have inappropriate thoughts by touching a zefer. My sezini, is that really true? That one should cover themselves when they're going down to the river? Anybody who covers over their private parts, as if he's denying the fact that he has a brit, the fact that he's embarrassed to show his zefer, to show that he's different than everybody else, and he has the chotem of a karsh baruch on his zefer, that is considered to be a slight towards the Brit, the mitzvah that is associated with the Aver, and then one should be proud of that. Mar says, Lokasha, that's not a problem. Hakinachit, ha kisalek. Depends if he's going down into the river or if he's coming out of the river. When he's descending into the river, he shouldn't cover over his private parts because there's really nobody there. There's nobody looking. And if he covers them over, it seems like he's covering them over because he's embarrassed about his Brit Milah. On the other hand, on his way out of the river, there there's reason to cover over the private parts because there are people out on the banks. And there are people outside the river. And if you're ascending from the river, then people will be looking at you. And then mitzad sniyut, it's good to cover them over. So Gemara says, ki had the rova. Rova used to be shachit. He used to go down to the river and descend the river. 
when he was bent over. On the other hand, Rabbi Zeva walked upright. So Rabbi Zeva subscribed to this position of Rav, that one should not be embarrassed about their aver, and one should not cover it over, because that's considered as if he's kofer, bibitoshal avram avinu. On the other hand, Rav was Sanua, like the story that we just brought here about Rabbi Avo, that Rabbi Zeva spotted him, and he had covered himself over its new. Rava practiced the same thing. When they descended into the river, they stood upright. When they ascended from the river, they did it in a bent-over way, in a tzanua fashion, like what we just suggested in the Gemara, that that would be the difference between these two opinions, that when you descend into the river, there's no reason for its niyut, because there aren't that many people there, and it's not visible. And the only reason that you would possibly be covering it over is because you're embarrassed. There, you shouldn't bend over, you shouldn't cover yourself. On the other hand, on the way out, where there are lots of people there, and there's reason to be tzanua, then one can cover themselves, and that's not considered to be a kofer bibito shal avram avino. Rabbi Zerah was trying to avoid Rabbi Yehuda's Rebbe, because he wanted to make aliyah, Rabbi Zerah wanted to make aliyah, and he knew his Rebbe, Rabbi Yehuda, was not in favor of that, Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Anybody who goes from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael makes Aliyah. Over the Asay is in violation of this Asay, violation of this positive commandment. That's a Pasuk that's found in Yirmiyahu, which says, and Yirmiyahu is telling what's going to happen to Bnei Yisrael. It says, You will be brought there. And you will remain there until the day that I return you. And then I will bring you up and return you to this place. So it sounds like only if Hashem is pokedotcha, even if Hashem redeems you, are you allowed to return to Eretz Yisrael. But on your own volition, you may not return to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Rabbi Huda thought you were in violation of this assay, the Nevi'im, the Pasuk from the Nevi'im, when you went into Eretz Yisrael, because you did not wait for the hand of Hashem, but you went on your own. Obviously, Rabbi Zerah has a different interpretation of the Pasuk, and that's found in the Gemara in Tubot, that that Pasuk's referencing the Klisharet. It's not about the individuals themselves, that they will be brought to Bavel, and therefore they may not return without Hashem redeeming them. But rather, it's talking about the Klisharet of the Beit HaMikdash, that they will be brought to Bavel, and they will be there until Hashem redeems them, until Hashem brings the Klisharet back to Eretz Israel. So Rabbi Zerah wanted to make Aliyah, but he knew his Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda objected. So he tried to avoid seeing Rabbi Yehuda, so Rabbi Yehuda wouldn't tell him, don't go to Eretz Yisrael. Let me go hear something from him, basic, and then I'll go and make Aliyah. So he didn't want to see him face to face, but he wanted to hear Divrei Torah from his Rabbi. He had a similar story like this in the Gemara and Brachot, and over there it's talking about a different matter, but the same thing, that he went to hear Tivrei Torah from his Rebbe Rebbe Yehuda without actually seeing him face to face, so that he could not give him tochacha or chastise him for leaving for Eretz Yisrael. Azal, Then he went ahead, then he found him that he was in the bathhouse. And he was saying to his servant, to his Misharet, Bring me the shampoo, bring me the comb. Open up your mouths, and let the hot air or the bad quality air leave you. And you should drink from the waters of the bathhouse. Samar. Had I not come just to hear this thing, it would have been sufficient. Now the Gemara explains these three statements of Rabbi Yehuda. When he said, bring me shampoo, bring me a comb. What was the Torah that you learned from this? Over there he was speaking in Hebrew. 
Maybe you would think that he can't speak Hebrew in the bathhouse, which is a place which is not mutar, to have Hirurim Shel Torah. Again, we have the same conclusion that we had in yesterday's daf, which is that the language, or the Shona Koshish, is not inherently Kadosh. It's only the content that makes it Kadosh. And because of that, if he speaks about mundane matters, that's not a problem. So you can use Hebrew in the bathhouse, even though it's inappropriate to have Divrei Torah, because Lashon HaKodesh doesn't mean that the language itself is inherently Kadosh, cannot be utilized in these areas, but rather, when that language is used with the content, that's what makes it Kadosh. Pitchu pamaychu vafiku chavla, should open your mouths and let out the bad air. Nami kiddush that's like shmuel. Damar shmuel. Havla meipig havla, that inhaling hot air releases hot air. So so over here, you should inhale the hot air of the bathhouse, in order that it should take out the bad hot air that's inside of you. So you'll take in the hot air of the bathhouse, and that will remove the hot air of the sweat that's in your body, and that will be healthy for you. But the last thing which we don't understand is, drink from the water of the bathhouse, what's the benefit of that? person who eats but doesn't drink, is eating is like blood. And this is what brings on the onset of stomach ailments, because person eats and does not drink. The proper way to do this is to first eat, and then to wash it down with liquids and to drink afterwards. And one who doesn't do that, he is putting himself in a position where he's likely to have stomach ailments. A person who eats and then doesn't walk for amot before he lays down to go to sleep, then the food rots inside of him. And this causes bad breath. Someone who has to relieve themselves. And instead of relieving themselves first, they go ahead and eat. It's as if you fired up an oven on top of the old ashes that were there. The old ashes cause a certain amount of coolness and don't allow the fire to really take in the oven. And that's the same thing over here. person who has to relieve themselves, they don't relieve themselves before they eat. They're just piling on the food on top of bad stuff. And that's the beginning or causes the onset of a bad odor that comes out of this individual. Person bathes in hot water, and does not drink them, similar to a oven, that you fire it up outside, and then fire it up on the inside. So here you have the hot water on the outside, and there's no balance of having hot water on the inside. And therefore it's appropriate to drink from the water of the bathhouse, so you have hot water on the outside and hot water on the inside. Because without the fire inside, the oven is not hot, and so it's over here. Without the hot water on the inside, it won't be efficacious in helping you to be in the hot water of the bathhouse. A person who washes himself off in the hot water of the bathhouse, and then does not rinse himself of have cold water poured on afterwards, similar to metal that was put into the fire, and then when he removed it afterwards, they didn't dip it in the cold water, like you see blacksmiths do where they fire up the metal, then they work on it, and then afterwards they dip it in the cold water to harden the metal. So the same thing over here. A person who goes into the hot water of the bathhouse and then doesn't have the cold water on him afterwards, he doesn't harden, just like the metal, if it's not put into the cold water, afterwards will not harden. A person who bathes and does not put on oil afterwards, equivalent to water around that surrounds a barrel, around the base of the barrel on the sides that doesn't go inside. So, so to over here, you need the sicha, you need the anointing with the oil afterwards to help the waters enter the body and to be good for the body.
And now the Gemara moves on to the next Mishnah. It says that Moliar HaGaruf, a Moliar is a water urn that has the coals taken out of it. One is allowed to drink from that on Shabbat. Antichi, which is another type of water urn. Afopishi Grufa, even though it is cleared out of its coals, you're not allowed to use or drink from it on Shabbat. What this Moliar or Antichi is, is subject to a Machloket HaRishonim. Rashi himself actually brings two interpretations. Brings the interpretation of his Rebbeim, and then afterwards he says what he thinks, which is just the opposite of what his Rebbeim say. The Gemara itself will actually ask the question, and we'll just give some background now so that when we get it to in the Gemara, it will be understandable. That is that Rashi believed that the Moliar was actually a water urn, had a receptacle on its side for hot coals, and used to place the hot coals on the receptacle on the side, and that's what heated the water inside of the water urn. So when the Mishnah says, for that Moliar you can remove the coals, and then you can use that water on Shabbat. On the other hand, the Antichi has a receptacle for the coals underneath the water, and the water sits on top, and then there's a base of the utensil, and under that base, there's a, another area where you can place the coals that sit underneath the water. And in that case, even if the coals are cleared out, it still cannot be used on Shabbat. Rashi Lashitato says the difference between them is whether they're Mosif Hevel or Eno Mosif Hevel. Rashi throughout this parak says that the issue of Shihiyah relates to the problem of Mosifel, Eno Mosifel, of Hatumono. So over here, the water that's inside, if there's a heating source that continues to heat it, and it's Mosifel, then it'll be restricted on Shabbat. And that's the case by Antichi. The heat of the Antichi is so intense that it makes it that it's Mosifel, even when the coals are removed. On the other hand, by the Moliar, once the coals are removed, it maintains the heat, but does not increase the heating in any way. And therefore, it's not considered to be Hatmana, that is Mosif Hevel, it's Eno Mosif Hevel, and that's why it's Mutar. Tosafot obviously rejects this, as many other Rishonim, that the Parakir is not talking about Hatmana, it's talking about Shia, leaving it on the fire, going into Shabbat. And it has nothing to do with whether it's Mosif Hevel or Eno Mosif Hevel. So Rebbeim Rashi explained that a Moliar has Shnei Shulayim, has two floors, it has a first base that holds the water, and then a second base in which there's a receptacle for the coals. And the Antichi is a beidode that is a mechitza that sits between them. That the one side of the utensil is water, and the other side is coals. And Rashi says, the linear of the hefek, that it's just the opposite, and that an antichi has the coals placed underneath the water, whereas the moliar has the coals placed on the outside, on the receptacle on the outside of the urn. Tosafot says that water that was in these utensils was used actually to dilute the wine. And therefore, when the water is taken out of the moliar, the Moliar's heat isn't so intense, and the water from there that's used to dilute the wine is fine because it will not cook the wine. It's not hot enough to cook the wine. On the other hand, the water inside of the Antichi is so hot that we will not allow you to dilute the wine without water because that water is so hot that it actually caused the wine to be cooked by that water. And Tosfat says that's the explanation of the Yushalmi here as to what exactly the problem with Moliar and Antichi is. Not like what Rashi suggests that it's a din in Hatmono, but rather that it's a din in utilization on Shabbat because of the intensity of the heat of the water. And therefore, by the Moliar, the heat intensity is not so high, and you can use it or utilize it to dilute on Shabbat. On the other hand, that of the Antichi is so hot that the water cannot be utilized on Shabbat because it will cause Bishul on Shabbat. Now the Gemara explains, Hechidami Moliar Hagaruf. What is the case of Moliar Hagaruf? Tana Maim 
A case of Moliar is a case where the water is on the inside and the coals are on the outside, which according to the Rebbeim of Rashi means that the water is on top and the coals are below, whereas according to Rashi it means that the water is on one side and the coals are on the other side, and this is one of Rashi's proofs that he is correct, because generally when we talk about we're talking about side by side, we're not talking about one on top of the other, which is usually described as being melamala ulamata. Antichi, what's an Antichi? Rabba Amar Be'kirei, Rav Nachman Amar Be'dude. Rabba says it's a special area inside of the stove or the oven where you place the coals inside of it and on the other side you place the water. It's an extension or receptacle on the side of the stove or the oven. On one side there is coals, on the other side there is the water. But because the oven or stove is used all week, the wall of the stove is very hot and remains hot. Even though you've now taken out the coals from there, it still remains hot because of the heat intensity from the whole week. And as Rashi says here, continues to say that it's a problem in Mosif Hevel, whereas Tosafot says it's a problem that the water itself is just too hot to utilize on Shabbat itself. On the other hand, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says that it's a Beidode, Beidode from the word friends or beloved, meaning that it's a Kli that has two bases according to Rashi or according to his Rebbeim. It has two sides to it. And it's called Dodei that they are double. There's a double floor to it. The water sits on top and the coals below according to Rashi or according to Rebbeim. Coals sit on one side of the Kli and the water sits on the other side of the Kli. Now the Gemara says about this, The one who says that a Beidode is a problematic, then he certainly says that a Beidode is problematic. Because if it's an independent utensil, and there we say it's problematic, then certainly he's going to say it's problematic when it comes to a Kira, to an oven or a stove. The one who says that it's only when you have this receptacle on the side of the stove or oven that it's problematic. Of a Beidode, lo. But when it comes to a Beidode, that's not hot enough to have these problems. We have a brighter that supports Rav Nachman's understanding here. Antichi, afopi shigrufa. Antichi, even though it's cleared out. Uktuma, or it has a fair placed on top of the coals. Ain shotina menu. You do not drink from it. Because it's brass heats it up. The copper heats it up. That would support Rav Nachman Yitzchak. Here's, we're not talking about an oven. We're talking about a copper utensil. And yet, the Brighton says it's problematic because the copper keeps the heat intensity very high. And therefore, even if the coals are taken out, it's still, according to Rashi, Mosif Hevel, according to Tosavot, the water inside will still be too hot. Rashi, on the other hand here, does not translate Nechushta to mean copper, but rather Nechushta from Nechushtaim, which means the base or the floor underneath. And that's why Rashi believes this Antichi over here is talking about a case where the water's on top and that the coals sit underneath it because of this word Nechushta. Nechushta, Mechamamata, means that the floor, the base, causes it to be heated up because the coals that sit right underneath, they keep it hot all the time, and therefore, it's problematic. Okay, now we move on to the next Mishnah. Mecham Shipino, a hot water urn that was taken off the fire. Lo yitain letochot sonein, bishvoshi yechamu. You shouldn't put cold water into it in order that it gets heated up. Avonotein hu shiram. You can put it into there, or into a cup, in order to warm them up. So now the Mishnah is cryptic and very difficult to understand, and that's what the Gemara asks right away. My Kamar. What does this Mishnah say? Amrav Ado Barmat No Hachi Kamar. This is the understanding of the Mishnah. Hamecham Shipina Mimenu Maim Chaim, a urn which had hot water in it, and then you spill the hot water out of it. Lo yitain Lotocha Maim Mulatim Kadeshi Yechamu. You shouldn't then put a small amount of cold water into that pot or into that urn because it will cause that water to boil. You can place a lot of water into there, in order that that water will no longer be cold, but will be warm. So it has to do with the volume of water that's placed in here. The mecham is still very hot. 
And even after you've poured out the water that was in there, that was boiled in there, the mecham itself remains very hot. So if you only put in a small volume of water, what's going to end up happening to that water is it actually will get boiled. And that will be a sore because of Bishal and Shabbat. On the other hand, if you put in a large volume of water in there, the pot will not be hot enough in order to boil that water. And therefore, it will just warm that water and that's what's permitted on Shabbat. Now the Gemara asks a question, Doesn't this cause a problem of hardening the metal? Now this goes back to what we just discussed before, that the blacksmith, after they take the metal and heat it up to the point where it's soft, and they pour cold water on it to harden it. That's what's called mitzarefi. Or going to Rashi, if you look at Rashi, the targum that he brings for that is sodir, which is soldering. It means to join or harden the metal. What happens over here is, after you've emptied it out, you have a very, very hot water urn that sat on the fire. And now you're going to pour cold water into it. That cold water is going to cause the metal to harden, which is a malocha on Shabbat. So Tulsa explains over here, first of all, that you can't say that this is not a pot that reached siruf. Because it says, Sta mecham does reach that temperature of tziruf. That's the level of heat that is put onto a mecham to keep the water hot. And therefore, in general, we assume that the mecham does reach the temperature where it would be tziruf when you pour cold water on top of it. Gemara says, that's not a problem. Rabbi Shimon, he... This is authored by Rabbi Shimon. Damar, davar mutar. says, something that's not intentional is mutar. So over here, he's not intending to harden the kli. He's intending to warm the water up. So since his intention is not to be mitzaref the kli, therefore it's considered to be darshem mitkavein, and we know Rabbi Shimon says that darshem mitkavein is mutar. Now Tosafot points out that we have to say that this is a case where it's not a psikresha. It's not a case where, by definition, when you pour the cold water in, it will harden the kli. Because so if that's the case, then it's automatic. It's what's called psikresha, which we'll get to in the Mesechta, and even Rabbi Shimon agrees in a case where whatever action you take must happen, even though that's not what you intended for, you're not allowed to do it. So over here, if when you pour cold water onto this kli, it automatically was mitzareif, then you wouldn't be allowed to do this because that would be a psigration. What you have to say here is that it's not by definition that that would happen. And therefore, when it's a davar she'enu mitkavein, Rabbi Shimon says it's patur. So matkif lehe abaye, abaye says, Adar matno, I don't understand your explanation of the Mishnah. Mida mecham shipina mimenu maimtani? Our Mishnah does not say that it is a mecham, a hot water kettle, that had the water removed from it. It sounds like they moved the utensil itself. Now, Tosafot points out that the word pina, most of the times it's used in Shas and in the Tanakh, means to remove the item that's inside of the pot. Pina doesn't remove the utensil itself. It means to remove whatever is inside of the utensil. Nevertheless, he says there are times where it means to remove the pot itself. And therefore, because there's ambiguity with the word, Abayi says, since the mission didn't explain it, you have to assume that what it means here in the Mishnah is that they actually took the kettle off the fire, not that they emptied the kettle from the water. This is the way to explain the Mishnah. A hot water urn that's on the fire or a kettle that was now removed from the fire, and it still has the hot water in it. Don't put a small amount of cold water into that in order that they will heat up. Because you will then end up boiling that cold water. And by boiling that cold water, you'll be in violation of Bishul on Shabbat. But if you can pour a large quantity of water into this kettle or urn that has the hot water in it, because then all that will happen is that the cold water will be warmed up, but it will never get cooked by that which is inside. But, A kettle or an urn that was on the fire, now they've emptied the water out of it. Lo one may not put water into that holy carb at all, period, because that hardens the metal. And this is according to Rabbi Yehudai, even though that was not your intent, your intent was simply to warm up the water, nevertheless, it happens anyway. 
happens anyway that you are mitzareif the metal. Again, not a case of psikresha, but a case where you're not intending for that. And since it happens anyway, it's a sewer according to Rabbi Yehuda, because Darvashin Mitkaven, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is a sewer. Now, Rav comes along and qualifies something. And it's not clear from here what exactly Rav is qualifying. So Rashi actually interprets it one way, and Tosafot interprets it a different way. I'm going to read it according to Rashi, and I'll explain the sugi according to Rashi, and then we'll come back and look at how Tosafot differs. Now it says, Amar Rav, Lo Shana El Hafshir. Only time in a case where he put it in in order to warm it. Aval Tzareif, if he did it too hard in the metal, a sewer. Shmuel Amar, and Shmuel says, Afilu Tzareif Nami Mutar. He's doing it the heart in the metal, it's mutar. Mara says, What? But Mishari. Who in their right mind would allow you to intentionally come and harden a glee on Shabbat? Even Rabbi Shimon was mat, he's only mat because it's Dabrashayom Kavain. Over here, it sounds like Shmuel saying that it's big Havana. Elaitmar, Hachitmar. If you want to say it, this is the way to phrase it. Now, the statement of Rav, according to Rashi, is going on the original statement of Rav Adar Barmatna. Rav Adar Barmatna says that if you take a kettle or urn off the fire and empty it of its contents, of its water, then when you put water back into it, you have to make sure to put in a lot of water so that it only becomes warmed up. Now put in a small amount of water so it doesn't become boiled. Along comes Rav to qualify that statement. It says, Loshana el Hafshir. That's only true when he puts the water in there in order to warm it up. Avalitzareif, he's pouring the water in there to harden it, then it's a sur. And a shmolamara filitzareif nami mutar. So they're basically qualifying the statement of Rav Adar Barmatno. And now Rashi explains, first of all, if you had a kli that was taken off the fire and it still had hot water in it, there's no way to be mitzareif such a kli. If you pour cold water into it, it's not going to harden the kli. It only works when the kli is empty. And when the kli is empty, then you pour cold water into it, then it will be mitzareif the kli. Now, Gemara already asked this question of Adabar Matno and said, Balo mitzareif. Isn't he hardening the metal? In that case, Rashi's going to have to explain that the question of Alo Mitzareif that we saw at the beginning of the Amud, we're assuming that it was a ton of water that was poured in there, enough to be Mitzareif in, enough to harden it. And the Gemara says, okay, if there is that enough water to harden it, even though it's not a Psikreshe, nevertheless, we'll say that it's okay because this is Rabbi Shimon who says it's a Dabrashe Eno Mitkavein. Along comes Rav and says, no, 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 we're not talking about a case where there's so much water that it can be Mitzareif it, but rather we're talking about a case where Loshana left Shir you're intending to warm up the water. But if it's a reef, if you intend to actually harden the metal, then it's a sewer. Shmuel says, even to harden the metal is mutar, which is more questions. How can you harden the metal on Shabbat? So, Eli'it marachidmar. This is the way to explain what the machlug between Rav and Shmuel is. That I'm a Rav, There's only enough water in there that it will warm the water. If you put in enough water that can actually harden the metal, then it's a sewer. Now, the shir that's a reef, according to Rashi, is that you fill it up fully. You fill up an empty utensil, with cold water all the way to the top so that it overflows. That's sufficient water in order to be mitzarefit. That's sufficient water in order to harden the metal. So if you simply put in enough water that it becomes warm, it's more than the small amount of water that you know how to put in because that gets boiled and that's a sewer. But it's more than that amount of water, enough that when you put it in, it only becomes warmed and not boiled. But it can't be a huge quantity of water to the point where it actually cools the kli off and causes it to harden. Meaning that you fill it to the top and it overflows the top. You actually have three levels, two of which are Asur and one is Mutar. That is that if there's too little water or too much water, it'll be problematic according to Rav. If there is the right amount of water, which means not so much that it overflows and not too little that it gets boiled, that'll be okay on Shabbat. Along comes Shmuel and says, Afilu or the Tzareif. Even if there's enough water in there to cause it to be Tzareif, it's still Mutar, because this is a Davar She'enu Mitkavein. Davar She'enu Mitkavein is Mutar, like we saw by Rabbi Shimon.
So basically, the flow of the Gemara going to Rashi is this. We have a statement in Rav Adarabar And in Rav Adarabar statement, it's clear that if you have water left in the Kli, you cannot be Mitzarev. If the Kli is completely empty, and then you pour water over the way to the top, and it overflows, then that is considered to be Tzirul, and it would be problematic. So how come we're allowed to do that here? The Gemara said, Valo Mitzarefu, my answer said, Rabbi Shimon, he... And it's a Dabr Shein Mitkaven. It's not a Torah to be Mitzarefit. Then along come Rav and Shmuel. Rav says, that's only true with a Kli that doesn't have any possibility of becoming Tziruf. It's only time about a Kli that can't reach the point of Tziruf. And Shmuel says that even a Kli that can reach Tziruf, it's okay. Even if he's Mitkaven for it, it sounds like it's fine. To that, the Gemara queries, wait a minute, how can Shmuel say such a thing? Because if he has a Kli that can be Mitzarefit and he intends for it, then why should it be mutar? So the answer to the Gemara is, no, we're not talking about a kli that has the ability to be mitzareif, a kli that has the ability to be hardened, or a kli that does not have the ability to be hardened. Rob's saying that we're speaking about a kli here that does not have the ability to be hardened, where Shmuel's saying that even talking about a kli that does have the ability to be hardened. Rather, we're talking about the amount of water that's placed in there. Now, when we're talking about the amount of water that's placed in there, then we go back to our original summary that we're talking about Davashayim Mikabain. Rav says that you can only put in enough water so that it will never reach the point where it could be Mitzarev. Well, says you can even put in enough water in there that it will be Mitzarev, that it will harden the Kli as long as you don't intend for it. And that's the conclusion of the Gemara according to Rashi. Tosafot, on the other hand, says that the flow of the Gemara is slightly different. The Gemara starts out, again, with Ravada Bermatno, but the Re believes that you can create Sirulf in two different ways. One way to create Sirulf is with any amount of water. If you have a Kli that's emptied of its hot water, and then you put any amount of cold water in that, that causes tziruf, that causes hardening of the metal. On the other hand, if you have a kli that's full of hot water, and you empty some of that hot water out, and then you put more cold water in it, over there, the only way that the cold water will harden the kli is if it overflows the top, and it goes over the top. But whether the kli is empty, or whether the kli is full of water, you can create tziruf kli, which is different than what Rashi said before. As we noted before, Rashi says you can only have tziruf kli when you've emptied the kli entirely of its contents. Then the Gemara says, wait a minute. Now the Gemara says, well, if you empty out the Kli entirely, and any amount of water is going to cause it to be mitzaref, is going to cause it to be hardened, then how could you do this on Shabbat? The answer is that it's Rabbi Shimon. This is like Rabbi Shimon, that it is Dabr Sheinu Mitkavein. Then the Gemara continues and says that Rab says, Lo that it's only true if he's doing it to warm the water up, but not if he intends for its Tziruf. Basically, what Rab is saying is that it's only when it's Dabr Sheinu Mitkavein. When he's not intending to do Tziruf, then it's Mutar. And then Shmuel says, well, even if he intends to do it, it's fine. To that, the Gemara queries, wait a minute, if he intends to do it, how could it be fine? He's intending to do Tziruf, even Rabbi Shimon will say that that's problematic, so can, how can Shmuel have that position? In addition, the Gemara is also asking on Rav here. Tosafot says, even though the Gemara only asks on Shmuel, it's also asking on Rav's position, because the way Rav's now explained the position of Ravada Ramatno holding like Rabbi Shimon, who's Matir. And we know Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Davr Shem Kavain is a sewer. So why is Rav going out of his way to set up Ravada Ramatno following the position of Rabbi Shimon? The Gemara answers both the question on Shmuel as well as on Rav to say, number one, the qualification of Rav is actually spoken about in the din of Abaye, not in the din of Ravada Ramatno. And now we can explain what it means. Because according to Rab, if you have a shi'ur lahav shi'ur, if you put in only enough water in order that it warms up, then it's mutar. But if you put in enough water, so much water in there, that it would actually make it harden it and make it mitzareif, is a sur. And that's a sur even be'en mitkavein. Because, as we said before, Abaye is saying his position like Rabbi Yehuda. That Rabbi Yehuda says, Darshayin mitkavein is a sur. And now, 
Rav is consistent with his opinion of subscribing to the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Rav's qualification is actually about Abaye's position, not about Ravada Bramatna's position. And the differentiation that he draws is nothing to do with Kavan anymore. Even if it's Dabrashayinu Bitkarim, if you do not intend it, if you only put in enough water in there to warm it up, that's great. And this is again a case where, according to Abaye, the Kali still has water in it. So you put in enough water that it only becomes warm and does not get boiled, that is fine. But if you put in so much water that it overflows the top and actually hardens the glee, that'll be a sore, even though it's a Dabrashayin Bitkarim, like Rabbi Yehuda, and that's Rabbi's position, like Rabbi Yehuda. And in the end, Shmuel could explain his position either in Ravada Ramatna, which works well for him because he does subscribe to the position of Rabbi Shimon, or even in Abaye, he says to Rav, I disagree with you. If it's Dovrashenu Mitkavein, then if you put in enough water that it overflows the top and it's Mitzarefit, it'll still be a sore because it's a Dovrashenu Mitkavein. And Dovrashenu Mitkavein is Mutar. So basic difference in the end between Rashi and Tosafot is that Rashi thinks that this qualification of Rav and Shmuel is going back on Rav Adaramatno, whereas Tosafot believes that this qualification of Rav and Shmuel, even though in the Havamina, seems to be going on Rav Adaramatno in the conclusion, when the Gemara changes, it's saying that this statement of Rav is actually qualifying Abaye and not Rav Adaramatno. And that's the key difference between the explanation of Rashi and Tosafot. Now the Gemara continues. The Memra de Shmuel Rabbi Shimon Svirle. From this, it sounds like Shmuel holds like Rabbi Shimon. V'amar Shmuel den Shmuel say mechabim gachelit shel matechet b'shut arabim b'shvul shelo yizoku barabim. If you have a hot iron coal that's out in the b'shut arabim, one can extinguish it on Shabbat. Avlo gachelit shel But if it's a coal that is made out of wood, a wood coal, then you may not extinguish it on Shabbat. The difference being that the extinguishing of a metal coal is only an Isur Dirabanan, whereas the extinguishing of a wooden coal is an Isur Deoraita. Because in general, when we're talking about Biur and Kibuy, the extinguishment of a proper coal, a wooden coal, is considered to be Kibuy on Shabbat, and therefore we're in violation of Din Deoraita. And then the Kibuy, or the extinguishing of a metal coal, which is not really a coal, that extinguishing is not considered to be Kibuy Midoraita, only a Kibuy Midorabanan. So what he says here is that you have a danger to the Rabim. You have a hot coal out in the Shutter it's in danger to the Rabim. If we're only dealing with an Isr Drabanan, which is the metal coal, then you're allowed to extinguish it on Shabbat to protect the public at large. On the other hand, when you're talking about a wooden coal, that wooden coal has an Isr Doraito associated with it. And since it has an Isr Doraito to extinguish it, we're not going to allow you to violate a Din Doraito in order to protect the Rabim. The Gemara says, wait a minute. If he holds like Rabbi Shimon, then even with a wooden coal, he should be permitted to do it because... Rabbi Shimon believes not only is Darshan mit Kavain Mutar on Shabbat, but Malocha Shain Tsiricha, the Gufa, is also Patura Balasur, is only Asur mid Rabbanan. And over here, it's clearly not a case where you're doing Malocha Tsiricha, the Gufa. As we've mentioned before, that when it comes to keyboard coming to extinguishing, all extinguishing by definition is a Malocha Shain Tsiricha, the Gufa. You're not performing the Malocha for the end result, you're extinguishing it because you don't want the fire there not to benefit the object that is lit. Only two exceptions to that are when you're trying to create a coal or when you're singeing the wick that you're going to light with. In those two cases, the extinguishing is the Tzarech Lugufa specific outcome of the extinguishing is what you want. You actually want to extinguish it and create the object that comes about from the extinguishing, as opposed to any other extinguishing, which is simply to remove the light, to remove the fire. So over here, clearly, you're not extinguishing these coals to make them into coals. You're extinguishing them because you don't want people to get hurt by them. And then, according to Rabbi Shimon, even a wooden coal is only a dindarabonon and should be permitted on Shabbat. So the Gemara here assumes... And 
But that Shmuel, since he holds like Rabbi Shimon by Dover Shein Gavain, he'll also hold like him by Malach Shein Tzricha the Gufa. And the Gemara thinks that they're attached here because Rabbi Yehuda, who believes by Malach Shein Tzricha the Gufa that you're Chayav Achatat, you're Chayav Mido Raita. Therefore, there's a reason to say when it's Dover Shein Gavain that it's still Osur Midr Abanan. Because Rabbi Yehuda says, well, if you did it with Mitkavain, if you do it intentionally, then it'll be Chayav Chatat, because Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa is Chayav Chatat. Therefore, when you do it unintentionally, we'll only make an Yisr Durabanan, but not Mutar the Gamre. On the other hand, Rabbi Shimon believes that a Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa is only also Midr Abanan. And Davr Shem Kavain is Mutar the Gamre, because Davr Shem Kavain, if you did it with Kavanah, if you did it intentionally, the worst that the situation will be is that you'll be in violation of Yisr Durabanan, because then you're a Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa, which is a Sur Midr Abanan. So the Gemara's assumption here that there is a correlation or connection between the two Dinim, and that one influenced the other. That the din that you have by Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa influenced how you felt about Davr Shem Mitkavain. Therefore, they should be connected. And our answer is no. But Davr Shem Mitkavain is like Rabbi Shimon. When it comes to unintentional Malacha, he holds like Rabbi Shimon that it's mutar. But then Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa is like Rabbi Yehuda. Malach Hashem Tzricha Gufa he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, and that'll be Asur Midoraita. I mean, that'll be Chayav Chatat. Because in the end, they're really not correlated. The two issues are not correlated. They're independent items. Therefore, Shmuel Paskins like Rabbi Shimon by Davashayim Mitkavain and Paskins like Rabbi Yudah when it's Malach Hashayim Tzricha Gufa. Amar Avina Hilkach. What we can conclude from this Gemara is Kotz B'Shut Rabim. If there is a thorn or some sharp object down in the Shut Rabim, you can, in order to remove it from the Shut Rabim so it doesn't cause damage to the passerbys or the people in the Shut Rabim, and he can move it less than four amot. He can do it less than four amot stop, less than four amot stop, because that's only an Easter Durabanan of carrying on Shabbat, because you're not carrying the full four amot in Rishut Rabim. So again, we allowed you to violate an Easter Durabanan for the protection of the public at large. And if it's a place that is not a Rishut Rabim, then, then you could just carry it straight off because you're protecting the Rabim and Rabbanan did not uphold their Xerot in the face of these types of dangers. So that's true today if you see very sharp screws or nails out on the ground. Even though those items are mukse, if they're dangerous for children, for people who pass you can pick them up on Shabbat and carry them and put them somewhere where it'll be safe or into a garbage so that people will not be hurt by this. So even though it's mukse, again, it's only a din derabonon of mukse. And when it comes to the safety of the public at large, the Rabbanan waived their Yisurei the Rabbanan in order to protect the public at large. Okay, we'll stop over here.